Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and I'm joined as always by the wonderful, the wonderfully lovely Jason Johnston Yellen. Jason, how are you today? I'm good. I'm. It's strange being watched though during these opening words between us. Well, you should close the bathroom door when you go to the toilet. <laughs> that way no one watches you. Then I can't go. <laughs> you need an audience. Um, speaking of audience, I wouldn't say this is an audience, but we're really excited to bring back the, the lovely, our very dear Jess Lomas to the podcast. Jess Grace Weir Lomas. How are you? I'm, I'm good, although I'm worried now that you nearly added my social security numbers at the end of that. Then people would really know where to find me. Is it 8675309? Uh, with Is a six here? on the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like you adding the detail just to seal the deal. <laughs> yeah, just, just to share someone else's social security numbers in this podcast. Do whatever you do with these numbers. I, I don't know what mischief you can really cause with them. But yeah, sure. Hello. Hello. How's Glasgow today? Do you have today? social security? No, we, we don't have like a... It's not quite like yours. We have like a, a number that's assigned to you at birth and... You get in the post like a little. It's called a national insurance number, and it's mm. uh, yeah. I'm old it's, enough that my number is one. Oh, that's nice. It's got like a weird combination of letters and numbers, and I I can never remember. I re- you should just have it kind of I don't know. Put in your passport. No, that's a bad idea. Scrap this. I'm I'm not in charge of these political things. I'm I'm good at whiskey. <laughs> That's a safer, safer place for me. Whiskey oh, that moved boxes. real fast. Safer question, <laughs> Jess. How is Glasgow today? <laughs> much safer, much safer. And what's the answer? Uh, it is. Quite, <laughs> uh, well, I'm just not going to tell you. you can, we'll let the listeners Top imagine secret. what my response is. Uh, it's a shame that the listeners can't see quite how pale the light in this room is making me look. Uh, I'm really pale, but this is someone else i match some of the liquids we have in front of us i do like that on this zoom i actually look like i've got some color in my face next next to what your lighting is doing to you jess that is true i haven't said i've also got a sunburn because yesterday was hot on the surface of the sun in virginia so and then there's the white beard carry on joshua what 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 are we doing continue talking about this audience that we have well then there, then there's the fourth person, and this is someone that we've been wanting to introduce to Single Cast Nation and to our One Nation Under Whiskey listeners for for a little while now. And I feel as if now is officially the time to let the cat out of the bag. On I'm bringing on the one and only Nacho Libre, uh, Elijah Ammon, to a to the podcast and b. And perhaps more importantly, be to the single cask nation team as the sales manager to the Americas. Elijah, welcome aboard and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Happy to be a part of the JJJ family. I know I've messed up the the flow. I do have a J in my name, but um, it's just not going to sound as pretty, but well, you, you do. The, I believe there's two changes 
that's going to have to be made to your name. And, and okay. Joshua already led one of them. We're, okay. we're no longer able to introduce you as a mamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamam
I would go on some account visits with Elijah and we had a good time mm. and we do some tastings together and he was a hard worker and he was impressive and he was a go-getter and, and uh, you know, seemingly I liked his palate. And, and we got to a point <laughs> where, and Elijah, this is the part where some details are, are coming in uh, about your family. That, but Elijah and his away. family... Fire away. Uh, Elijah and his family were making a move out of Orange County and up into Washington State. And liquor jobs in Washington State are pretty hard to come by. And it looked like Elijah might leave the liquor industry for want of a liquor job in Washington. And you and I had been talking internally, Joshua, and obviously we'd had tremendous success with, with Jess over in Glasgow, but we talked about the need for somebody in the United States and an additional program that we had been talking about with this cask pick program. And a lot of the things we were looking for were wrapped up in an Elijah package. In fact, the only <laughs> thing missing was the first name beginning with J. But a J in the middle of the name seemed like he was trying. So, so with, with that, you and I, Joshua, had a conflab and, and did he check enough boxes? We knew he would work hard. We knew he was a firm believer in all things single cast nation. Uh, we knew he had a tremendous relationship with, with Jess and, and also our good friend Sweet Scott, uh, Christopher Hallstrom. Uh, Jess is carefully looking at the floor right now. And... And, and so the relationship was there. Uh, and these were, these were all the things we were looking for. And so we did. We dipped a toe in Elijah Ammon. And uh, yeah, so far so good. No, no Jess? Yeah. See, we never, we never officially got to dip a toe into Jess, Grace, Weir, Lomas, these waters. So we made up for that with Elijah Ammon. Is that normal that you guys address each other by your middle names? Is that... No. Okay. This this is a this is a new super long feature. It's it's a bit creepy. Like yeah. you know, Je as we've discussed, Jessica is my Sunday name, and the only person who calls me that, ap apart from Jason, now is my mother. Uh, and now I'm getting like even the long name that she can't be asked to go through the whole rigmarole of, and she gave me it. Yeah, I only learned about the Grace Weir today, which is why I'm using it. But you also know Joshua's middle name is Morrissey. We certainly use that on the podcast. So. I hear that often. Yeah, Morrissey. Right. I occasionally get introduced as Jason Neil Johnston Yellen by Joshua. So, yeah, we, we try them on. At some point in this episode, we're going to reveal your middle name, Elijah. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's not turn it into a blue episode, okay? Um, Ooh, so he's working blue. <laughs> oh, working blue. So... From my perspective, you know, obviously, Jason, you'd known Elijah for a bit longer than me. You'd worked with him a bit longer, like you had said, going out to California. And and I just knew him from the occasional email or Facebook thing. And But I knew that, A, Elijah, you firmly believed in Single Cast Nation and what we were doing. You were excited about what you were doing. And here's another thing, and, and, uh, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but one of the things that got me excited about you was I was having a conversation with Chris Udy uh, of Impex, and he was saying to me, man, I can't do this. Other. Uh, I can't do this. <laughs> you started off great. You started off great. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
He said, I don't get these young kids these days. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I was having a dramming session with Elijah, and I'm pouring him this old sherry this and this old sherry that. And all he wanted was this younger stuff where all you taste is the spirit. I'm like, all right, he's got a palate. <laughs> not, not, that, not that Chris doesn't have a palate, but, but when, when, I, when I think about Single Cast Nation and how Jason and I make our selections, we're always looking for that spirit character, that, that thing that tells you this whiskey came from this distillery or this spirit came from this distillery. When I heard that, that's what you enjoyed that got me excited, right? Because I, th I think it's really important that people who are going to work together, especially if you are working, you know, uh, to, to push forward a singular product, which is, you know, the sale of single casks, it's important that we all have similar palettes, right? So we can all talk about it in similar ways. They don't have to be exactly the same, right? I think it's important that we taste things in a different way but I think it's important, too, to know that we can appreciate one, one another's approach to the whiskey and that you would see the beauty in the spirit character and, and, and vice versa. And so that got me really excited. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm curious as well with Jess and Elijah. You've both sat in on, on a lot of tastings together during coronavirus. Are there things you've noticed about one another's palates as you've sat in on those tastings? I was gonna. I was gonna let Elijah go first. I was gonna be polite. No, see ladies first. Let's setting up for the trash ladies talking first. first. <laughs> exactly. uh, I don't. I think the tastings that I've been in with you uh, haven't necessarily been uh, like the ones that I've tuned in in the middle of the night to the American ones. Haven't necessarily <laughs> had you kind of uh, leading. I've snuck in on some of the Dramas Club ones um, and the mm. Milk and Honey one. Um, that wasn't necessarily you getting the opportunity to voice your opinions on what we were drinking, or in my case, lying in bed looking at my laptop. Um, that wasn't necessarily <laughs> necessarily your tasting notes, and I'm slightly afraid of the ones that you've been in of my tastings. Uh, we've had a lot of ambassadors. We let you in on ambassador ones that, again. I think we were trying to let the the people from the brands do the kind of. Um, opportunity to shine to the group. So uh, the one you're in most recently was with Francis from Daff Mill. Um, so we were just mm. letting Francis do the talky talky rather than me and Chris being the ones uh, spoiling the show. Uh, we just wanted to give him the opportunity to kind of speak. So it was such a privilege to have him join us virtually from the kingdom of Fife. As Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> that was a fantastic tasting. I think the only time Jess and I have had really interactions with uh like tasting notes and comparisons of tastings in our palettes is really our group text um and usually it's mm. not just that i disagree with it's usually chris um sweet scott oh, i'll tell you what we have had uh, the one that we've done scientific and very grown-up tastings for is the um comparisons we've done with the amazing skinny rogers Oh, Roberts, right. Roberts, Roberts. Skinny Roberts. When we've done... <laughs> skinny. So, sorry about Sorry, that. Skinny. Just reinvented yeah, Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> she butchered yeah, we've, it. We've done... Yeah. Um, we've uh, drunk lots of nice beers uh, and talked about those in a very nerdy way. And then you were bringing from a brewery, which instantly made me furious because we were still in our houses here in Glasgow. So and you're just living the best American dream, <laughs> hanging out, drinking amazing beers. Yeah, to give, give a little context on that tasting, I went to Black Raven Brewery 
in Woodenville, Washington. And with Skinny, we tasted, um, Jess, I might be butchering some of these beer names. What were the two beer names? There was uh, <laughs> the Featherweight, which was like cacao nibs and some, maybe, I don't yeah. know, some other things added to this stout. And then there was a sour, a cherry sour, right? Something like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. there was so a, a cherry sour in the style of a Belgian Lambic. And that yep. all came about yep. because we were talking about the cask exchange program with Westland. So yes. uh, we've mm-hmm. been, we've eked the last of the bottle um, that we had. Uh, so we have one in reserve, but we were eking the last few drops out. And then Skinny was like, oh, I have the beer that went into that cask. And we were like, Wah. Yeah, so. that, that, that was, that was, cool. I was memorized that, mesmerized that, that whole t- tasting like tasting the taking a sip of beer then taking a sip of the whiskey then tasting the other beer then sipping the whiskey again and the whiskey tasting different every single time i drank mm, it oh yeah. that was really so cool. good That's elijah awesome. made the magic happen there i have yeah. to say i was super impressed so yeah, yeah i was nice now uh, eventually when we can travel but until then we can do more internet zoom drinking that, that's the kind of thing that when you explain to the old folks of the room are oh, we hang out on the internet doing the drinking they, they look at you like what? like oh yeah I'm, I'm sat in front of a screen but there's like loads of people actually on the screen doing drinking with me and sometimes i can see those people and sometimes i can't mm. see those people and it's not because i've done all the drinking and you get a look that's like uh, uh, the Zoom has you, become you, the new graveyard. Yeah, just yeah, go down the graveyard, drink a few cans with my mates. That's still generally frowned upon. Internet drinking, <laughs> you're trying to revolutionise. Uh, the best bit is I get paid for doing it. Hey, hey. Leading the revolution, getting paid for looking at people while sitting on my couch doing drinking. <laughs> I'm not... my. In theory, there's a possibility, depending... Well, obviously... By the time the listeners are hearing this, maybe I've been, but there's a, a possibility that I'll have done an outdoor drinking session with other humans that I don't live with as of tomorrow, Ooh, which is like, okay. oh, blow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, that does depend on Glasgow weather. So that's a massive caveat to that. I may be wearing like but, but, all the waterproof but just things. The, just the fact that it's available to you should the weather be okay, right? That that's happy days. Tomorrow may not be great weather, but maybe the day after that. We're in Glasgow. Lot. We're going whether or not the weather's good. We've booked <laughs> our slot. You, you right. ca- it's like a click right. and collect thing. You can't just rock up to the oh, pub. Now there's like oh, paperwork, okay. time slots. Your pals have to all be with you. So it's it's regimented fun. It's the best kind of fun. <laughs> fun with rules. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Just, I was going to say, we're going to unpack this in, in just a minute because we're, we've got some samples to go through from Elijah. But before we get into the specifics of that, Elijah, what flavors do you enjoy? What flavors do you tend to look mm. for in your in your booze? And if you want to name drop some distilleries, you're welcome to do that as well. Some general house styles, whatever you like. Hmm, that is a fantastic question. I would say my palate has evolved and it kind of is constantly changing. I I always want something that's interesting, engaging, something that like challenges me or maybe something that I'm like not really comfortable with. But if I'm like to reach for something, I really like spirit forward and citrusy 
any of like tropical fruit notes i really enjoy hmm. um i i i do tend to to stray away from anything that has sulfur in it anything that has <laughs> i don't know i i'm trying to think of like maybe like nuttiness um some of the like dryness you might get out of like some sherry like super heavily sherry oh, whiskeys okay. Like that pickled yeah. walnut note you guys mentioned, I I I do enjoy that, but I I, it's more the the tannic, the the super heavy, anything that's like, seems like it overpowers the spirit, I, I kind of steer away from that, but that that's usually what I aim for. Distilleries, I love Kilholman, you guys know that. Um, mm-hmm. Klein Lish is another one that I just really enjoy anything that has like that kind of uh, any distilleries that carry like that maritime saltiness, like, like, like Pulteney. I love mm-hmm. the, I think it's Pernod Ricard. Their distilleries like the Glen Berge, Milton Duff and Glen Talkers. Yeah. Those are like, yeah, right up my wheelhouse. Like all those, those styles. Um, yeah, fruity, yeah. fruity, and fruity. Yeah, right? yeah. With all three of those yeah, distilleries. But, but, yeah, but like even if they're aged in ex-bourbon, like those distilleries, like my, I think my favorite uh, single cast nation bottle was that Milton Duff Nine Year. Uh, mm, I remember you texting me about that one. Because like you had like Milton Duff distillery character, but it was like this like fruity spice cake bomb that like I've never mm-hmm. found in whiskey like that that kind of stuff like that's like so challenging and like something that i can't find in in i'm trying to like find a whiskey that's similar to to that milton duff i haven't found one yet like that so in terms of a timeline were you digging on glenbergie before the nation's number one glenbergie fetishist michael nolan uh came out about that um i I wasn't important here no so I would definitely say I was made more aware of Glen Berge, especially Michael Nolan's love. Shout out to Michael Nolan and his Glen Berge love. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I've had some some Glen Berge's before, and I enjoyed them. And that was kind of more so the benefit of just being in the industry and having Chris Udy's collection at my disposal from nice. time to time. So. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One more follow-up from me, and then I'll, I'll give Joshua or Jess a chance to ask away. Uh, follow-up, Sulphur, what's your position on struck match potentially in a next-door room? I do not mind that, because I think that is not overpowering, and that is challenging and, like, adds an element. If it all I taste mm-hmm. is, like, rotten eggs... Or like someone like rung a match out in the back of my throat, then mm. like I mm. I can't get beyond that. Um, and maybe I'm just like too sensitive to it. But I also like I'm I'm pretty sensitive to certain uh, like tastes and smells. Like uh like every time Joshua mentions uh, Port Charlotte and that the baby vomit note and having mm, a kid yep. recently and i've <laughs> yep. got another kid on the uh, way like i like every time i smell poor charlotte now i can't get it out of my head i just can't i like oh so and but but do you like like is there something about it that that you find comforting because for me that is a comforting note it, odd, as odd as it sounds it's a comforting note because it reminds me of 
those early days. Like yeah. now I have teenagers, right? But it reminds <laughs> me of those early days, and it and it's not a it, it's more like a sweet milk smell oh, yeah. than it is anything I'm, for me. I know what, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I I don't yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily comforting, but there are some weird like <laughs> distillery profiles that I find like comforting, like. Um, uh, what's one I can think of off the top of my head? Like like Bomore and like the Bomore plastic note you get sometimes. That that's what mm-hmm. I describe mm-hmm. it as like Bomore plastic. Like mm-hmm. so weird, but like yeah. I just like every time I like I, I had last night I had uh, uh what do they call it now? Doris Doris Moore. The Doris uh, Doris Moore, yeah. yeah. And it had all that. Like and I was like, ah, oh, this is this is very weird. But at Lovely. the same time I just yeah. love that. So <laughs> Jess, Jess is shaking face. her head here. What's happening? Oh, oh my gosh. I've never time. heard anybody reminisce or feel quite sort of nostalgic for vomit. Is this what having <laughs> kids does to you? Yeah. You're like, ah, those days with the puke. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. Oh, you long for it, Jess. You long for the, the vomit. Especially when you have teenagers, right? <laughs> Remember they were just quiet and they fit in my arm and they slept more than they were awake and they never talked back. Yeah, sure, they had some babysick issues, but gosh... How I long for that time. <laughs> we um, we hosted a tasting this week and uh, we were doing Isla versus Campbelltown. But more strictly speaking, we very cleverly called it Two Distilleries, Many Faces because Ooh. it was all Brooklades and all Springbank variants. Oh, smart. Uh, and we had a, Ooh, that's smart. Yeah. So, so, like, see, a year into this, got it down. Um, <laughs> and we had a private cask port Charlotte that was at 61 and a bit percent. And that's the whole group were up in arms. They were like, what have you brought us? But then when we did the little vote at the end, five sneaky people in my tasting all voted for the port Charlotte. And I had a confessional text the next morning. <laughs> By the way, I, th- I was one of the people who, who voted for the port Charlotte, um, which was very funny because the rest of the group were just like, there was some very interesting things. People said they would rather drink than this pot shala. And it was all like full on that kind of, yeah, vomity nose. But if you could get past it, the palate was actually quite rewarding and quite sweet and dangerously drinkable at 61%. It really didn't need, it wasn't hot in a burning your tongue off kind of mm. way, but it, it was that initial like extreme puke factor. Uh, and mm. I have only associated it with that <laughs> from many, many hundreds of years ago when Good Spirits first opened here in Glasgow and they did a tasting. There was one of the PC bottling series. I can't remember if it was like five or six. Uh, and oh, it was yeah. Matthew was like, just going to ruin Port Charlotte for all of you now. It smells like baby puke. And I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Uh, given, oh. you know, I, I don't have my own child to smell its puke in the way Joshua reminisces about. Uh, and I've been ruining people's palates on Port Charlotte ever since. There are two, two notable exceptions to this. Uh, I find pa- Port Charlotte quite hard. I'd rather have an Octomore. There are two notable exceptions to the Port Charlotte rule for me. One is uh, the Ralphie bottling of Port Charlotte that we drank with you. Ralphie! you guys set off mm, yep. to the... The sherried one. Yeah, shout out to Ralphie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one <laughs> is the single castination Port Charlotte 14-year-old, which is almost perfection in a glass. I, I second that. I was saying that. that long before... Yeah, I was saying that long before I was paid to say nice words about single castination. <laughs> uh, in fact, when it went in the bar in the Bon Accord, proper shout out to... Uh, the lovely Paul McDonough. Um, when it went on in the bar, Chris and I put a really heavy dent on that bottle and we were sat on Facebook being like, 
hey, single cast nation people in the US who can't get hold of this, look what we're drinking because we're really horrible tow rags. But that was in the olden days when we could do that in pubs. Yeah. Um, and that was it. We were just like, this is magical. And that whole note that uh, can be described in technical terms, but the vomity note, um, yeah, it's, it's not in that. And it's, it's just sublime. So, actually, See. just poured that pour Charlotte the other day, and for me, and you mentioned a moment ago, Elijah, the pickled walnut note is so effusive in that mm-hmm. bottling mm-hmm. that returning to it—that's the aspect I really love about it. But but I find kind of like what what Elijah was saying about uh, the idea of struck match being in the distance and him being okay with that. That's what I find with the Single Cast Nation Port Charlotte. I, I still find a bit of babysick, but it's on Haida's shoulder and she's in the other room, mm. right? <laughs> and and so, so it's there and it's just adding dimension to this, you know, incredibly complex, lovely whiskey that we were, we were so lucky to get a hold of that cask. You're pouring it now, aren't you, Jason? You're not pouring I am, it. Yes. Don't pour it yet. No, you are? I'm not pouring we, it. I'm, we, just, I'm sniffing from the bottle. Okay, because we have... We have things we need to taste, and so uh, if you guys don't mind, I want to take us to Funky Town. I want you to take me to Funky Town. Won't you take me to Funky Town? Won't you take me to? Oh, Funky, funky town. town. See, newbies. <sighs> thank, thank, They've never thank even God heard the song, anything. Joshua. Oh my gosh. I know the song. It's in Shrek. Everybody knows the song. All right. All right. Elijah's face is like, so, what is Shrek? <laughs> is it in Shrek? So, so t- yeah, it is in Shrek. Yeah. I just haven't seen it in a long time. So two things here. Mm. Yes. A, this episode is going live on Cinco de Mayo on the 5th of May, which is perfect timing because... This meeting that we're having now initially wasn't even meant to be a podcast recording. It was just meant to be the four of us getting together because Elijah had put together seven different mezcal samples for us to taste together. And he doesn't he didn't tell us anything about them. He just sort of lettered them A through G. And um and so we're going to do that. I think A it'll just be fun to drink together, but B I think it'll be fun to understand one's palates through, and, and Elijah, I loved what you said earlier. Before we started recording, and I said, you know, let, let's, let's drink the mezcal, you could talk about it, you could, you could teach us a little bit about each bottling, and your point was, but I don't know mezcal like I know whiskey. I, I, don't, I still don't know a lot of it. And, and I think that's okay. I think all four of us could safely admit to the fact that we're much more well-versed in whiskey than we are in mezcal. And so I think the idea of us coming to this spirit a bit more green will allow us to, it'll be a more objective look at our palates because we don't have the subjectiveness of our love for this distillery or that mm-hmm. distillery. Oh, well said. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's some and turd that's, polishing of the highest go. degree. That was that was pro level turd polishing. Well done. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, that's beautiful. Pro turd polisher. Did I? Can I tell you really quickly? And I apologize because I think I said this on the podcast before. 
or I know at least I've I've told one of you this in a in a drunken stupor. There's a story about um, there's a story about uh, a film director, a newer film director. And I forget his name, but it was during the Cannes Film Festival, and they were showing his film, and it wasn't being received well. And so he took a break from watching the movie. He goes into the bathroom to cool off, splash a little water in his face. And uh, David Lynch comes in. Now, Elijah, I know you're a younger man, but you have to know who David Lynch is. I do not know who David Lynch is. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I'm only laughing because it makes me feel a thousand years old. Like, I think it's perfectly okay if you don't know who it is. But boy, do I feel a thousand years old right now. This is fun. We should have young people here more often. Oh and God. also, I need you to I, just <laughs> stop. Stop trying to put yourself on their side. Come back to my side. You're young. I, remember? I also need Joshua to update that <laughs> to uh, a more topical line, which is doing the rounds in the UK because of a very popular TV show called Line of Duty, which if you can get iPlay, you should watch. Uh, and the line is Jesus, Mary, Joseph and the wee donkey. That's how outrageous it is. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and the wee donkey. I like that. Okay, I, I will. I will. Up to, it's, it's difficult for a Jew to even utter those words, but but now that we've added in the 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 other part, I think it might be easier. But the the point. Of, so David Lynch, he's uh, to most people, he's a very well known director, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's known for being a very eccentric guy, very eccentric guy, making yeah. odd movies. Anyway, middle aged so white guys got, love him. Middle-aged white guys love him. So the, the filmmaker whose film was being poorly received goes into the bathroom to cool off, splash a little water in his face, and David Lynch comes in and sees him doing this and can tell you know, that he's, he's feeling a bit down and, and says, is everything okay there? And, and, and his point was, you know, the, my film's on, and I don't know, you just, you just can't polish a turd. And without missing a beat, David Lynch's response to him was, you can if you freeze it. <laughs> I don't even remember why I told that story. But I, I, feel, I feel if people rewound this podcast by about 10 minutes, they'll remember why I told that story. So I am, I am halfway through A. I've already drunk the first half Shut of up. the sample. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but okay, so... So here we are, we're, we're drinking mezcal, we're learning one another's palates. Elijah, I'm going to pour A, mm-hmm. I hope everybody else will, but, but I want you to lead us through this, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, okay. Well, this mezcal, without quite revealing where it is or what, it, what exactly it is, this is not from uh, Oaxaca. Like a lot of a lot of mezcals are coming from Oaxaca, but there's also nine other states that mezcal or yeah mezcal can be be produced. I want you guys to mm-hmm. smell this one and tell me there's there's a very distinct note on this that I absolutely enjoy. I wanted to see if sweet jalapeno. Ooh. Oh, yes, yes, there it is, right there. Is that it? Was that it? Yeah. Was that right? Yeah, it's almost like like a cooked jalapeno, like kind of, um, or even sometimes there's a, a little slight vinegary note that like like almost like you're pulling jalapenos out of a jar, 
like sliced jalapenos. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those pickled pickled jalapenos. Yeah. You know what I love about this? You know what it reminds me of? And, and, and you guys may or may not agree with me on this, but one of the things that I love about Glenn Geary from, from 90, 1994 and before when they were repeating their spirit is there was always this, the peat that they used gave Glenn Geary this slight jalapeno kind of note. And, and I'm getting that. I'm making that connection hmm. here. Hmm. Okay, so it also has a, a, a salty edge to it as well. Yep, yep. It, the, this is, I've, I've gone through a couple of uh, little pours of this while we were having yep. an introductory chat. I was, I was sipping through it, and, and to begin with, I was getting it very bright and very fruit forward, definitely that nice jalapeno presence to it. And doing a second pour of it and nosing it, I, I get a certain fecundity if, if you're on a hot summer's day lying on grass, sometimes it can smell a little bit like dog shit. And, and sometimes sitting you know, on grass or in a park, I've kind of looked around for, for dog shit, but I've, I've come to realize it's, it's the hot soil, it's the grassiness, all mixing to become that yeah. note. And when I put my nose in it, I got a little bit of that that dog shit note. This is great. I, yeah. I you know, and, and we've had and, a baby vomit. Now we're on dog shit. I can't wait to see what sample G brings. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we we say this a lot. You know, when we get together and we taste together, like not in a bad way. Like, <laughs> that's right, that's yeah, why is, I describe it as this fecundity. So, so let, let me let me just yeah. add ask one thing. Mm-hmm. So there, there's one, and it's not, it's not dog chip, but there's one note that, that I love getting. And Jason, you talk about this sometimes, this farmyardy quality where mm-hmm. there could be a bit of cow manure in the distance. And that, you know, cow manure in the distance on a hot summer day, it's not necessarily the absolute most pleasant scent in the world. But it's one of those scents that kind of brings you back in time. And if you're okay kind of going with it and being comfortable with it there, maybe it brings you back to a fun memory kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah. The thing I say to people, whether you're picking up cow shit or you're picking up horse shit, it's vegetative, right? It, it's not like a carnivore shit, right? And so you can get those warm vegetative notes out of the cow buyer, the horse stables, Things like that. There are like 10 people driving off the road just laughing at our longing for babysick and dog and cow shit. Uh, I apologize to their families. Maybe the uh, old people in okay. this group uh, are into that kind of stuff. You know, like Joshua's reminiscing. I don't know what you're talking Joshua's about. Joshua's reminiscing on his babysick. Mr. Generation. Over on the other side, there's Jason with his hands full of crap being like, but this is delicious in a good way. <laughs> Yep. You've seen my rural <laughs> setting, right? The, the farmer was literally spreading shit at the bottom of my yard just two days ago. And I commented to my wife, oh, the farmer was out. He was spreading the solid shit because the other stuff is the liquid shit and the liquid stuff is horrific. The solid stuff, you're kind of like, oh, you know, that's kind of vegetative and quite pleasing to the nose. Is this what passes for entertainment so, in Virginia? So- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Jess, what are you what are you getting in this one? So I immediately um my I'm, it was it was not anything of a fecal matter. Um, it is immediately the the brine that you get in a jalapeno jar. Yeah, um, we get th- we yeah. get through a lot of jalapenos in this flat, so I feel like I spend a lot of time washing up jalapeno jars, and it is exactly mm. that. That was the first thing that that came out, and then I also think there's a kind of note of like coffee grinds, which I think is maybe maybe going down the, the touch of your slightly more unpleasant tasting notes, um, a bit like in the office when we leave the grinds in the machine until it's like jammed full, and then you have to empty the drawer, so it's a bit kind Oof. of fermenty. Yeah, it's mm. got a touch of that mm. in it too. That's serious business. The, now, the do you, palate do you, is so much different yeah. than, than the nose. So, right? so I, I will say as an indicator, I, I, most of these, I kind of, prog- we're progressing through these by ABV a little bit. So if you okay. notice, this one's a little lighter body. Although, like, you get that strong jalapeno, like, slight salinity, uh, dog shit note, as apparently... But, I'm uh, never drinking mezcal again. That's put me right off it. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't repeat this enough. It's not unpleasant, right? It's not an unpleasant note. It's just a note that sits. I, I don't think anyone's ever notes. been like, oh, man, I stepped in dog shit. Like, this is awesome. This is, this is yeah. somewhat pleasant. So, so <laughs> a, little, a, little peek, a little peek behind the Single Cast Nation curtain. When Jason and I come up with our official tasting notes, one of us or both of us will come up with a note where we say, my gosh, it's in there. And then we say, there's no way on God's green earth we can ever print that or talk about it because people will think we're crazy people. So what's a better way of saying that? And so what's happening is you're just hearing the Jason's unfiltered, exactly. mm, this lovely dog shit going on. But, yeah. but then it will turn into like... Damp earth. <laughs> and now I'm going to be I, worrying, looking at our releases, trying to work out which one was the dog shit note that we've re-edited. <laughs> People are going to be like, hey, single cast nation. I, I heard something about those guys. They're not like poop or something. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> oh God. just think. Dunnage Warehouse, Mushroomy. Stop. Uh, Stop ruining damp the nice basement. Like, oh, some of those, some of those terms. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joshua, it just, it's only come up in the last few months, but there's been a number of times Joshua's been talking about pond water. And it would be hard mm. to put pond water on a label and someone say, that sounds positive. But when Joshua's getting it, 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 it's a positive thing. It's a note that sits in context with other notes. But sometimes people would isolate the pond water and go, no, not touching that. So yes, I would not be running forth advocating dog shit in this particular uh, agave spirit. If I was in front of the producer, I would be talking about warm soil and long grass and summer's days. But among friends, I'm just going to cut straight to dog shit. Well, let's hope these producers aren't listening to this award-winning podcast. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, who made this and what's the agave and tell us a little bit about it. Okay, I want to I want to put you guys on the spot really quick. All right. Okay. Both of you have had or have had a bottle mm-hmm. of this type of agave, and I wanted to see if you can name the agave. Jesus, no chance. So and and, and I'll give you guys a hint. You guys. Both named this agave in a podcast, podcast uh, at one point. Sayama. 
Oh, you're, you're Jason. You're 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 right up there. Salmiana. Salmiana. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So it's not the same uh, bottle. Uh, I forget. Paloma, something like that that you guys had, but this is from <clears throat> Mez, Mezcal de Rumbes, hmm. uh, and this is from a different state than like like I was saying before. It's from San Luis Potosi, which is like northeast of Oaxaca. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and a kind of interesting style of how they are cooking the agave. You know, traditionally you'll see like a earth pit, mm-hmm. but these guys are kind of like a hybrid between like old school tequila makers and uh, what you see with current like mezcal production. So it's like basically the the oven is like slightly above ground. Uh, and it's a brick oven where they're throwing all these. They still cover it with earth, but it's made above ground ah, okay. in a brick oven. So, but yeah, that's cool. uh, it's coming in at forty four point two percent ABV. Okay. The maestro is J Manuel Perez. Perfect. I was gonna ask so. you who who the who the mescalero was. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Before we go further, there, there's one thing that I just want to clear up for our listeners because, you know, I, I realize we're talking about a category that some of our listeners may not be familiar with. And so I just want to do a Reader's Digest version of, of how we talk about mezcal. So a lot of people think of mezcal as smoky tequila. That is not it at all. Get that straight out of your mind immediately. First off, tequila... Amen. Tequila is a subset of mezcal, right? Tequila is made in certain Mexican states. It's always made with blue agave, right? Uh, and, and quite often mass-produced, where, where mezcal is made in differing Mexican states, but they're not tied to, to using the blue agave. They can use any kind of agave they want. However, the most common one is called espadín. And so if you're looking at mezcal bottles and you may see words like espadín, tobala, and then words that are a bit more difficult to pronounce, aroqueño, tobeziche, habali, things like this, that's referring to the, the agave plant itself. And just like with whiskey, where a bourbon cask is going to do one thing, a sherry cask will do another, and so on, the different agaves do certain things from a flavor standpoint and a texture standpoint as well. And so where we're always with whiskey thinking about what is the cask and what is that doing to the whiskey and mezcal, you're thinking, what is that agave? What, what is it doing? What is it doing to the spirit? Is it wild agave? Is it cultivated agave? Is it agave that's a seven-year-old plant or a 25-year-old plant, right? All of these things sort of matter. And so as we go on, just, just keep that in mind. And then the last thing that I want to say is, and, and Elijah, or, or Ja, Ja Rule, you can, you can confirm. I have some, some dark brown uh, sample bottles here, but all of these agaves are unaged, right? They're, they never touched wood? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm, yeah. That, cool. That's, uh, you'll see as, as you pour them out. These are all uh, unaged agave. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, carry on. But, but yeah, you guys should pour the next one. But so we started with Salmiana uh, from, uh, and I'm hoping to hit like different regions of Mexico or the different uh, regions, different states 
where agave can be produced, um, whether it's called mezcal or distillado de agave. So, yeah. But the next one, this next one, pour out number B. Number B? Sure. Number B. Number B. Yes, number B. B. The number B. It's the second number in the alphabet. Can I can I just say one more thing before yeah. we move on? I, like I said before, I thought it was important that you let us know who made the mezcal. When it comes to mezcal, yeah. it's really important to name and honor the producer. And I would compare it to 100%. I'd compare it to whiskey, right? When you talk about Ard Beg and you're talking about Glen Morangy, you're thinking Bill Lumsden. When you, when you think about Brook Lottie or Ardnaho, you're thinking Jim McEwen and, and so on, right? And and so those names hold importance in Scotch whiskey, just as the producers of mezcal hold importance, and it's it's important to respect them. So I'll be asking yeah. if you don't name it, I'll be asking you. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. The the maestro, the mezcalero, um, you know, you can have, for example. Ray Compera was was an old brand that I sold with my former distribution company. And they had the the Sanchez family. They have two producers, one who's producing a lot, um, uh, which is Romulo Sanchez. And then you have Ramiro Sanchez. Father and son is their relationship. Hmm. They both produced the same type of agave, which was a tepesate. The father's was completely different. Same, same, Same process, essentially, but putting their own touch like has you know drastic changes to the mezcal and that's that's what one thing i love about mezcal or just agave spirits in general is in production similar to this is it's, it's just so raw there's so many variables there's you know it's not sanitized in the, the way of its production right there's mm. there's you know, a, a lot of the things that I love and we romanticize about Scotch whiskey, it's it's all kind of coming out of a factory, right? Mm-hmm. But most of these producers and all of these ones that we're going to taste today, none none of this is like factory made mezcal. Like this is just stuff thrown together, and it's for villages, it's for families, and we're fortunate enough to have it in the U.S. and get to taste it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you, honoring the the mescalero. Yeah, well, well said, well said. I I'm curious to know your notes, but off the bat, I got Play-Doh, <laughs> salted and Play-Doh and salted dried mango. Off the bat. Okay, so one one thing about this this uh, this palenque this this distillery. Uh, they are known for a very specific note, mm. and it's tutti frutti, mm. you know, like tutti frutti jelly beans. Yeah, and you should be able to get this at least on the nose. Their espadine, this is not their espadine, but their espadine like carries that like so much. But yeah, tutti frutti, I really. So that's interesting. So, so you find a tutti frutti note with this distillery regardless of the agave and if this is an unaged spirit is that a yeast driven note like where do you yeah, think that's so coming I, from yeah i i actually do think it's a yeast driven note i think it's uh i actually was fortunate to do a tasting with drammers club with this 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 palenque this this mezcal here this brand 
And they were talking about the region in Oaxaca, where they're at and kind of where they're positioned. And if you see the pictures, they look like they're in a jungle. Like hmm. it's basically like this. It's not like what I would think where mezcal production would be. Anyways, but just the foliage around the, the, the distillery and everything like that, I think just comes into effect where a lot of their mezcals carry that note. And they're all doing like open air wild yeast fermentation. Uh, so, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it was pretty amazing being able to go through a vertical of, of a lot of their mezcals. And that note, you know, sometimes being stronger than others, but mm-hmm. um, in different expressions. But, you know, this is... This is Are you getting the tutti frutti in this one? On the nose, I did for sure get the, the tutti frutti. Hmm. And it might have been described like, uh, you know, when Joshua was saying, you were talking about like mangoes, right? Was that yeah, it? Yeah, dried mangoes. Yeah. It kind of, yeah. What about you, Jess? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would say it was tutti frutti, but maybe that's also because they're a very different sweet here than what you guys have. But the, the nose mm. has got like a kind of... I'm with you on the kind of Play-Doh. There's something a bit kind of putty, a bit sort of solventy about the nose, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't really travel through. Like this, this nose smells much more what I associate with mezcal smelling like, if that makes any sense at all. Mm. Like there's a kind of like slightly, so here's my gross note, slightly warm, sweaty sock thing in the back of here, you know, like a gym kit that's been left under a bed for mm. too long. There is mm-hmm. a touch of that yeah. in this. Uh, which I think but you can get, way. but in a good way. But in a good way. T- we should have that on t-shirts. There's a merchandising <laughs> opportunity here. Um, yeah, there's, there is something I think, like especially like these really kind of little artisanal mezcals, always have for me a slightly, slightly bodily warm note to it, which is in a good way. It's not yeah. a bad thing, and you get it in a lot of cheeses too. And I think yeah, this is much more like it. Whereas that the our first one we had more of those kind of sweet jalapenoy. And on the palate, was a bit kind of chocolatey to me. This is more like straight up, feels like a harder spirit, I think. Mm. Mm. I think. It's, so it's definitely bright. It's nice, right? And I find it to be brighter across the palate. Like I, I felt I felt as if on the, on the first one, the water was taming the mezcal a bit too much. It was a bit too yeah. soft where this... There's this this brightness, this citrusy pop that hits you at the beginning, and then I think it kind of finishes a bit a bit fruitier. But it, the nose completely changed once you go back to it. Once you after you taste it, it changes. Mm-hmm. Little peppery becomes more fruity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running through the mid yeah, palate. Th- this one uh, and then on the finish. Yeah. Mm. I could drink this one all day. Oh, that's just that's just so. For the reveal, this comes from Tolzba, mm. and this is agave I promise none of you guys have had before. Uh, and this one is called Warash, mm. and so Warash is actually uh, an agave that I don't even think is necessarily has its own Latin name <laughs> or anything like that. Because norm- normally you'll see like on agave bottles they'll have like a latin name and then whatever the like the region it it could change like um i'm trying to think like of an example like certain regions will will call like uh a karwinski like uh, like yeah 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 yeah, you know 
yeah, they have their own names for whatever this is. Anyways, the Warash is a wild agave that is, uh, they think it is, a hybrid between uh, a Karwinski and a Rodocanta agave. Mm. They, that's what they think it looks like. So they have no idea what it is. Mm. But they think it's a hybrid because those plants mm. grow wild around there. So, But where they're getting this around the distillery, this is really unique to Tozba. So uh, that was kind of yeah, That's a great share. Thank you, Elijah. Yeah. Now I have to look for this agave because I really like that. I like that peppery pop, Jason, that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what Warashi. Who do, we, who do we have to thank for producing this? The producer for this Tozba, this Warash, Alessandro Gonzalez. Beautiful. There we Thank go. You. Cool, cool. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. These have been good so far. Yeah. Yeah, I just went ahead and poured number C to use Elijah's mm. nomenclature. Yep. And number C. Number C. Is that letter three? <laughs> That's the, yes. <laughs> That's crazy talk. I don't know the, where you're getting these ideas from. <laughs> third, third number in the alphabet, letter C. But so far, the, the first three are completely different from each other. Uh, I really like the way oh, you've curated yeah. this selection. Yeah, that, that that's my hope too. Is with this tasting to show how cool the salado de agave mezcal, whatever whatever type of agave spirit you're trying, they can be so so different. This is coming from a different region as well, completely different agave than what we've been trying. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah. This this no I have to say like I could probably finish this bottle in a night. This is <laughs> I I've had to be very disciplined with this because it is so engaging. The nose is like so oh unique. Gosh. Yeah, it's 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 kohlrabi and scallion pancakes and 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 candy canes and there's this like yeah. sweet vanilla pepperminty thing going on in here. Now, Jason, I know you don't normally yeah. get mint, but trust me, it's there. No, it's interesting. All, all of those things you were saying, and I was getting vinegar-based hot sauce, but really diluted version of it. Yeah. No, there, there's a... I'm, what Joshua and Jason, both what you said, 100%, all those things in that. It's, you can just keep going with this. Oh, it's oh my gosh! It's it's like um, uh, it's mold. There's mold wine in here. There's mulling spices in here. <laughs> That's at, or there's even like a potpourri floral thing going on. This is a really really wild. Yeah, so let you me agree? pause you. Nope. Let me pause you right on that. You nope. don't agree? I'm, okay. <laughs> I've been returning to my first cup, and that, as we called it back in the day, dog shit note. It's becoming rosebuds in a hot greenhouse. And so when you just delivered the the potpourri note on this one, I wanted to get in my return to number A and Uh, let it be known that there is something floral there, but it's that intense florality. Like if you were to take Mm -hmm. a potpourri and you've got that dried version of a flavor profile or a bouquet, it really intensifies that's what I've got going on in the first one now. And that's just yeah. the empty glass, uh, the empty uh, cup that I was returning to. Oh, oh, this is so good. Palette, nose, everything going on. This is like challenging 
this is what I want, like in any spirit I have. Oh my God. Um, I've never had a mezcal like this. Ever. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's like spiced Christmas cakes and, mm. um, you know, like candied lime peels and, 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 and all sorts of things like that. Big red chewing gum on the palate. That cinnamon, mm, that sweet yeah, cinnamon yeah, note. Yeah. Oh, Jess, you're sitting there contemplative. What what are you experiencing with this? I was I was just enjoying Joshua waxing lyrical and thinking. <laughs> um, like I, when will he shut up? That's no, 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 not at all. Never. Um, I, I was more thinking about it. Sort of smells like a. <laughs> it smells like a shop we have here in Glasgow. There's um okay. I, actually there's two things that it makes me think of and I think it's because of that kind of minty all the uh, spices uh, like the sweet spices and the kind of fruity things. One is it mm. smells like a shop here that's called Roots and Fruits, especially when you go and stand in the corner that's by. They have like all the soaps and the tea bags in one corner. It smells like that. And then there's um a little kind of very hippie tea shack which I'm confident all three of us would of you would thoroughly approve of uh, called Chayovna which is like a house of different teas and it's like proper hippie. You sit on cushions on the floor and the teas on mad menus. I'm pretty sure you don't necessarily come out sober from some of the contents of the food. Um, yeah, very like, but it is just like being there all in this glass that very like, yeah, the, the kind of like barky. It also smells a bit like uh, my yeah. very beloved uh, Ranjit's Kitchen. Big shout out to them in Glasgow. Mm, they make a really mm. amazing like tamarind chutney dip thing that I just basically want to smear all over my face Ooh. every time we go. And that is bang in the middle of here. Cinnamon. I, I love that you brought up the, love that you brought up the tea note. I get a rooibos note in returning to the ah. nose. It is definitely like opening a, a cupboard of teas that are maybe not traditional black teas. That are like yeah, like rooibos, and then all, I drink a lot of fruit teas. Yeah. Like that, if you open the cupboard, that kind of lovely pungency that whiffs out at you. Yeah. Yeah. Really this interesting. Is this. Uh, this is fun. This, I really this like this. Fun. Yeah, fun. Holy. I, All I right. Would, uh, really, just really quickly, before you do the grand reveal, if, <laughs> if, you, if you had told me that this wasn't agave... Or potentially it was an ensemble of agave with Sotol or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would firmly believe you because this, I feel as if I'm being taken outside of the mes- mezcal category from a flavor standpoint in a way that I haven't been taken outside. Bef- like it just, it's so wild and fun and wacky. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm busy Beautiful. thinking. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of people come up to me and, and they say, well, they say sir, and oftentimes there'll be a tear. But a lot of people in Scotch <laughs> tastings will say, I don't reach for peated whiskey, but I'll often build up to it or I'll finish my night with it. And Jess is right now making the same face that I make when they say that, because I'll say to them, I'll start a summer's day with a peated scotch and not think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And I'll yeah. follow it with a stout, a big heavy stout. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I could see myself finishing a night of mezcal with a pour of this. And you said this a moment ago, Elijah, where you could pop the cork on this and, and drink it of an evening. I couldn't. For me, those 
tea oh. notes, those spice notes, are something that I would want to reward myself with a with a drink mm. of it before I call it quits because it would cut through mm. everything that came before it. But I think drinking it continuously, I would feel a little deadened by it, which I know the face I make to people when they say that about peated scotchies. Please feel free to make that face as I say it about this mezcal or this agave spirit. We we just have our our different respects, you know. You're you're leaving it for the end of the night, something to contemplate. I'm just gonna finish the bottle. <laughs> That's how much I appreciate it. So, fair enough. Uh, t- do tell us about this. So this is uh, Maya Lynn. This is actually a recommendation from uh, Drew Garrison. He's my kind of go-to agave. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, expert, he probably wouldn't be like calling, like being called that. But uh, this is a hundred percent wild cupriata. I don't know if you guys have had any cupriata. Never uh, agave. Uh, I see a lot of it come from Michoacan. Uh, this comes from Guerrero, which is, uh, I think it goes Oaxaca, Guerrero, and then the next state up northwest would be Michoacan. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, this is uh, just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I just really, really like this. All, all uh, wild agave. Uh, the, the mezcalero here is Jose Morales Uribe. Uribe? Hopefully I'm saying that right. My Spanish is really poor. But uh, yeah, this is just magic here. It's called uh, my... Uh, um, Borrego. Yeah, I was Borrego just noticing here. that yeah. on the label. From Guerrero, Mexico. Okay. Maya Lynn, Maya Lynn Borrego. Okay. Yeah. Well, that- 49% ABV. And I was, I was just thinking, given that we're, you know, giving pronunciations and labels and titles and all that, could you, at some point in the future, take a photo of the seven lined up and we'll be able to send people to the One Nation page, or yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Oh, that was a yeah, like, no yeah, totally. Would love to. Like, I was like, like it doesn't have some of yeah. the bottles. Like, yeah, yeah, no, easy. I, I've got, I've got, I've got all of them. All of them. Okay, here. then yeah, I think a photo yeah. directing people to the One Nation Under Whiskey Facebook page would yeah. be a good way to go. Not a problem. Can I yep. ju- just ask a quick question before we move on to number D? Um, yep. <laughs> with with number C, you you had said that you found this tutti frutti note that kind of went through the entire line. Would number you, B. Number, number B. Number B. Sorry, number B. Yeah. Would you would you say with this one that well would you would you say you find similar flavors in other uh, mezcals from this producer, or do you think that this is a more agave-driven note? I have not uh, had much of Myelin's other expressions, okay. so I can't say. Okay. But I've had other cupriata, and this is very unique to this mm. producer because I other cupriatas that I've had have not tasted like this at all. Yeah. So. Um, and for those a little like background on cupriata, uh, cupriata is kind of like the espadine of like Michoacan and Guerrero, like that those states. So it's like it's in abundance ah, in these gotcha. states. Okay. 
where, where it's not, this is not cultivated agave, but cupriata is being widely available. In, okay. And, and widely available yeah. in those states. Yeah. So it's okay. kind of, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, this is unique to this producer as very far cool. as the flavor goes that I've had in my experience. Okay. So. That, that was very, very cool. That was super fun. And I like what, you know, earlier on you said the things that you like are things that challenge you. And I would say that that yeah. agave did exactly that. That was a challenging yeah. mezcal. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now on to number, number D. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Going in. All right. I don't know if it's just following okay. on from C, but D feels very familiar and, and feels yeah. very recognizable. Yeah. I don't want to say I, I think, safe, uh, but I, I feel more at home with this one than the previous yeah. two yeah. or three. I think you're right on there. I think, I think you, you should yeah. be familiar with at least. Oh my gosh. It's got that nice. I will place. say the next the next three are not certified mezcal. Ah, okay. Um, so for those who don't know, like the certification, there's usually like a holographic sticker mm-hmm. on the side of some uh, mezcals, and that's like certified by the CRM. Um, these next three are not, and I'm starting to see a trend where more uh, agave producers are moving away from the certification. Um, so what, is, what does that mean the, to our listeners? What is being a certified mezcal and not being a certified mezcal? What, what does that mean? What's the delineation there and why? Well, one, to like preface it, I, I would say there's a little bit of a controversy as far as certifications go. Because if you look at tequila... Um, the certifications for tequila uh, have there's been like basically ongoing like political battles with certifications when it came to tequila. For example, um, Blue Weber Agave, where it's mainly cultivated and produced, is in Jalisco. That's where everyone knows their tequila. There's a valley that is shared with another state of Mexico called Zacatecas, mm-hmm. and they share that same valley. Um, where people, they're also growing blue Weber agave, but because of politics and money, basically all those families years ago were robbed of that opportunity to have a certification, uh, to be called tequila. So they have Uh, to call in Zacatecas, they have to call their blue Weber to produce exactly like tequila. They have to call it mezcal. hmm. Hmm. Yeah. There's, there's, that's what I'm starting to see with. Certification. I think it was. It's great what the certification has done for all of these palenques and 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 these these mezcal brands, uh, because it was a way to kind of bring some guidelines for consistency of production and what is mezcal. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. you know, you aren't just throwing in like that. It's uh, you know, mixto or like things that like have you know maybe sugar or whatever neutral grain spirit added or whatever there there's some consistency of what you can call mezcal um i think the certification is great only problem is now like there's families that have been producing agave long before any government agency has 
come into effect or any politics has come into effect. Yeah. So like why why would, you know, some big entity like tell these families, oh, this is you aren't producing mezcal. <laughs> like this the like why well, it just yeah. makes no sense to me. Like mm-hmm. to tell a family like, oh, you aren't producing mezcal, like you you need to follow our rules. Right. You need to like pay into this to this system. Like what what's the incentive behind that? Especially if a brand's been well established and then says, you know what, we're 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 done with the certification. So anyways, yeah. I, I don't think I maybe explained that very well, but that's uh, no, I, more my, I appreciate my your issue. perspective on it and I, and I like the fact that yeah. you're you're honest in presenting that. Somebody that we've spent time yeah. with and we haven't got him on the podcast yet, I may or may not be correct in saying that, is Robert Horton, who oh, correct. Yeah, can absolutely go to town on mm. the reasons, the needs, the politics behind officialdom and breakdown of states and families not having opportunities to do what they want to do. He, he mm. is absolutely fascinating on the subject. And so I appreciate adding yeah. your perspective to all of that, Elijah. Yeah. yeah. The thing I wanted to draw attention to on this sample is the, the nose, as we were saying, is, is familiar. It, it's got some of those kind of cactus notes. I've also got some dry baseball cards, you know, maybe even the, the chewing gum that comes with a little bit of the cardboard insert there. But on the palette, it was really the texture that captivated me. And obviously, single cast nation, obviously, the selections, obviously, the way we talk about mouth feel and texture. And as much as I talked about feeling at home with the nose of this, I then continued to feel very comfortable with the palette. The texture of that palette was right up my alley. Yep. The nose, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with what you said there. Like, I felt as if I was brought back into the world of, of mezcal, like the, the scents and flavors associated with this one didn't feel like we went outside of the box like, like we did with number C. Um, but, but I couldn't fully grasp the no, like, and this is one of the interesting things with, that I find with mezcal is, is sometimes the nose and palate don't match up and that can be okay with mezcal. And, and in this case, the nose, I wasn't, I wasn't, it seemed familiar, but I couldn't place it. But on the palate, and I'm not trying to guess because I'm, I'm the worst blind taster there is. Uh, but on the palate, it reminded me of some tobalas I've had where it's been a bit more, yeah. um, uh, a, a bit softer, a bit more vegetal going on. And yeah, for me, there was spice meets mint, but it was that lingering spiciness that made me think of some Mexicana that I've had. Hmm. And so like you, I'm not that, even going to try and guess. I'm just saying that reminded me of a thing, what I had one time. You, you guys are actually pretty close as far as the style. Um, He's being kind. He's going to reveal this and we're yeah. not. No, no. So, so this is... It's actually is, a bourbon. It's actually, That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed the smooth notes on it, uh, the oak vanilla. Yeah, yeah. What's the proof um, on it? Uh, it, the proof is, uh, I'm hoping battle proof. Anyway, 
this is Res Resprial um, from a famous maestra, Berta Vasquez. Oh, wonderful. Ah, lovely. Um, and this is a tepestate. Oh, okay. And what I think is unique about this one, the age on the agave is 22 to 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, this is some old, old agave. Uh, and this is all, like, like traditionally made. Um, yeah, and I just thought this was great. This is actually, this yeah. is actually a Drammer's pick. Oh, nice one. Oh, is it? Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. a good selection. Drammer's Club selection. Yeah, so... And I don't think Berta Vesquez uh, usually does like single agave varietal selections. Like normally, you oh, know, like she she does ensembles. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so this is all Tepestate, twenty-two to twenty-four years old. Um, how do you yeah. how do you age an agave? Like, you know, with deer you count the the horns, and with a tree you count the rings. Like, how do you do you know how to age an agave? No, I have no idea. And I don't think, I, I think there's, I've heard some, some people tell me that like, pe- they'll guess the age, like on, okay. on some agave. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I'm confident like they know the ages on these, these agaves, but I, I don't know. Yeah, my, my understanding, Maybe. which could very well be incorrect, is that when it reaches maturation, it puts out the seed pod. And so it's not a case of an mm-hmm. annual seed pod. So if you're hanging around for yeah. 22 to 24 years and you know that your agave is mature at the end of that, and then you yeah. see the seed pod, then you say, okay, we've got a mature specimen here. That must be this age range. And then you go yeah. ahead and yeah. and connect uh, yeah, the right. scientific dots. Yeah. So it's like puberty. Yep. Some agaves are late bloomers. Some agaves are early bloomers. <laughs> if you want to think of it like that, you can think of it like that. Yeah. Well, that what's coming out? Yeah. The sex organs are coming out. I am thinking about that. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, uh, I'll tell my camera back. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jess, what did you what did you think of this one coming out of number C? Out of number C, number D. Uh, I think this is a bit more. This is a bit more drier. I find it a bit harder work. I'm not sure as, I'm as much oh. of a fan. This is probably my least favourite. Oh. I don't oh. dislike it, but there's something. I think this is harder. Maybe this is what oh. I just talked about. This is more challenging. I think uh, hmm. it's a little bit harder for me to get on with number D. I like you See, pointing out the dryness of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's got yep. a really like. It smells like dry tiles in a cellar. It's got that kind of like really. I can't, I can't, I can't explain it. But there is something very yeah. clayy about it. Uh, I'm gonna come back to it yeah. at the end and see if it it softens up a bit for me, because um, I'm kind mm-hmm. of pouring as we go. And I know these are young spirits, so it doesn't necessarily apply in the same way as when you pour a whiskey and you let it breathe a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, I've made a rookie error of not starting with a drink, so I'm coming into this like totally stone cold. First drink of the day is seven mezcals. Uh, <laughs> whoops yeah I will say I think it's interesting that none of us has mentioned smoke the word smoke in this whole tasting it like and and if there is one that has like a little residual smoke in it it's probably this one it's more like a Mm -hmm. dry ashy 
Ness that I get, but like I, I always hear all the time at tastings and sharing, oh, smoky tequila, smoky tequila, mm. like or like I love mezcal because it's smoky. I don't think any of these have been this number. No, I, I smoky. Think, I, I was gonna say yeah, number D is definitely just... relatively the most smoky of them, but also maybe that's because we are four whiskey drinkers who know what a face full of peat looks like and feels like so maybe it's it's like a relative thing you know like if you drink predominantly spirits that are have no element of smoke in them at all then these are i guess smokier than it's not an octomore but it there is this number d definitely has a touch of smoke going about it uh which i think is really interesting because i wouldn't have said the first three were particularly there's like a whiff of it and the other night i was uh hosting a tasting and we were dissecting our Inver Gordon 45 year old and somebody said oh I think it's like peaty and we were like mm, okay let's talk about this it's not peaty there's no peat here but like what is it here that's mm-hmm. making you think it's kind of smoky so we got them to explain a little further like oh it's like a barbecue smoke it's like that kind of like charry or like well maybe it's the charring from the barrel that's giving you the influence here because it's a first mm-hmm. fill so a relatively juicy cask I guess maybe that's where you're getting this pickup of smoke Rather than yeah. it being on the face of like a PT whiskey, it's about knowing what language you want to use to describe, and then exploring it a little bit and seeing like, okay, well, let's just you know let's dig into this what you've just said for your tasting note. When we say smoky, what does that even really mean? It doesn't need to be yeah. burning yeah. peat. It doesn't need to be smoke on a fire. It can be that like really sweet mezquite kind of depends on the wood you're burning type thing. Um, but yeah, n- number D definitely has more of a closer to what i think smoky should be like but not necessarily yeah. a face full of peat yeah no i i love what you're saying there jess i've even encountered people who for whom the barley the the smell of the grain the smell of the cereal is what they take as peaty and so even when they're faced with a non-peaty whiskey they say oh i oh i get a little bit of peat in this one but what they're actually getting is the barley. Where they've had peated barley before, they're bringing the barley note forward, but thinking of that as peaty. And so, Billy, you were saying a, a moment ago there, it's the deconstruction of that and the what do we mean when we say X that is so worth unpacking and get to the heart of, gosh, are we even saying the same thing when we use the same words here? And it becomes clear that we're not. Yep. Yep. Definitely, I think of the four yeah. most challenged by this one. As this an uphill climb, Elijah, we'd like getting into like, G is just going to be like the most Rambo of them all. Mm, I, no, I, I'm not sure. It's all relative, yeah, Jess. It's, yeah, I, 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 I'm still going to go with I'm not questioning the C. magic here or the thought process. I'm just, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to stick with C yeah. being the most challenging for me. That that was in a whole Same. bunch of things. Uh, D felt much more comfortable. I'm also I'm, assuming I'm that I need e. six. <laughs> go ahead, six, yeah. six. I was going to say, I am the most inexperienced mass car drinker here by a long shot. It's not a thing we really have here in the UK. You have to be in incredibly specialized places to even be served uh, tequila that hasn't come in a plastic bottle with a little red plastic sombrero hat in it like I had in my student days. So, uh, yeah, like this is this is super diverse. And I'm going to go away and look up all of these at the end and realize that I can't get a single one here. That, that's I'm fully prepared oh, yeah. for that's coming. 
Yeah, I, I was in a well, cocktail bar in Glasgow and they had Vida, yeah. which for us is the go to the store, spend your 35 bucks, use that in your mezcal cocktail. And it's, you know, really cheap as chips. And the guy in the bar in Glasgow had said, yeah, this costs us 70 pounds a bottle, which oh for gosh. Vida is an incredible price to be paying. And so, you know, we haven't really yeah. talked about cost of any of these bottles yet, but if you spend $120 on a bottle of mezcal, you're more than likely getting something really spectacular or an older agave or a wild agave, or, or there'll be a reason for the price being the price. For Vida being 70, it's hard, 70 pounds at that. It's hard to go anywhere. It's hard to explore beyond that because you're already topping out at a at a big price. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so, so far, letter, I, I've liked A through D, but number C, the, the wild and wacky one that Jason and I found a bit more challenging, I could use a six pack of that. Like, I just think that's beyond special and I need, I need all of it. But I'm excited to taste number E to see if I change yes. my mind about number C and where I spend yes. my money. Just out of interest, Elijah, can you give us a, even if it's just a ballpark from memory, a, a price point on the first four? Yes. I think A was around $35. Oh, wow. Okay, good. B, B around maybe 100 to $120. Okay. C, which is the one you guys liked, I think I paid $65 maybe for that. Okay. 65 to $75 a bottle. Mm-hmm. Josh was definitely getting a six-pack. Oh yeah, D on the, drammers, on the Drammers site might have been like $100, $95, okay. $100 mm-hmm. around cool, there. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, let me actually check. Yeah, I'm happy with but the yeah, ballparks. This is a, yeah, now, yeah, ballparks are fine. Yeah, yeah, we don't need precision. And aside from the drummers, did you buy the other three in California? Yes, everything here has been purchased in California. Because that will certainly affect the price. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Oh, I've, I've got I've got number E in my glass now. Hopefully. You yep, guys the have same? the same. Already working on it. Oh, there's a there's um there's a light a light bright sweetness that I normally associate with like a weeded bourbon, that sort of sweet cotton candy top note coming through on this. As a, a note for our UK based listeners, this smells like chocolate milk lollies. Not like the mini milk. I used to get them as a kid. They, it smells like chocolate mini milk lollies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So weird because I never associate mezcal as being anything remotely near any sort of chocolatey, especially that kind of like artificial light kiddie shop chocolate. Yeah. But it's it's here. <laughs> if I remember those lollies, it's almost a the milkiness that precedes the chocolatiness. Yeah, and like chocolate butterscotch angel delight type things yeah. too. Oh my god! I used to oh. eat that by the bowl. Oh, so I, the, I could eat the powder those, without the milk. Are those, I, I don't think I've ever really gotten this deep of like a butterscotchy note. Huh. But it's a very artificial mm. butterscotchy. But it's great. Yeah. The the chocolate lollies is that 
actually made from chocolate or is it like a chocolate flavored sugary candy on a stick there's nothing natural in there it's it's passed by a cow that's the tenuous link to the milk uh it's the kind of right right yeah it's like the kind of ice creams that are not actually made from milk or cream you know like the kind of like really big commercial they're my favorite kind like really shitty ice cream that's like it's got a weird texture to it but it's magic it tastes like childhood because it's not you know if you if you we're very spoiled here in scotland there are some phenomenal ice cream producers but if you go to like a supermarket and at the back they're kind of like value ice cream, uh, I'm well <laughs> yeah. known for being a sucker for uh, like a Vionetta. like that that kind of like ah uh, yeah yeah. There's no texture in it because it it doesn't have any milk in it, so <laughs> there's no like none of the fat in the milk when it freezes like that's what pro- produces some of your texture and the same in cheese. These kind of like industrial ice creams where it's made from milk powder, not actual milk, and it's made from chocolate powder, not real chocolate. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's great. That's great. I love it. I, I, I have to say in, in, a, in a world of five where, where something must be one and something must be five, this is position five for me. This is a little... Interesting. It's a little flat. It's a little empty. It's a little lacking. And, and certainly the company, you know, you know, you you three have have really brought me down today, and no, it's the 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 first four, <laughs> right? The the first four for me have been lights out, and yeah. you know, if if E's just a little bit lesser, it really shows, yeah. but only because the first four have been tremendous. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to know more about this. I'm curious to hear what oh. the three of you think. Well, this is I, I will t- I will tell you guys this is actually the most expensive bottle. Oh, I love it. I love oh, it when good. I'm a cheap I date. I, yeah, yeah, I can't I can't wait to shit all over this. So no, I'm not going to shit all over <laughs> it. Um, but but while I disagree with Jason, so I don't I don't find this flat at all. I find this pretty vibrant, especially across mm. the palate. Mm. But from yeah. from the standpoint of complexity. I would say this is perhaps the least complex mezcal. And one of the things that I love about mezcal is that it's often just as complex as Scotch whiskey could be. Right? That's the amazing, beautiful thing that an unaged spirit can do that. And when, and when it doesn't do it, it, it brings me down a little bit. So while I like the one thing that it's doing, I'm saddened that it's just doing the one thing. And for me, that's just sort of this bright, sort of sweet peppery note that kind of goes mid-palate and then it just kind of slowly dies a death. It's interesting you say that because I almost get this cooked red pepper note or a steamed red mm-hmm. pepper note to the back of the, f- mm. the finish, to the end of the finish. Mm. And so for me, it just kind of goes along, goes along and then shouts out this red pepper note and then is done. Is, is anyone getting the minerality, like the intense minerality, like maybe even as the palate dries out? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but or just this pour. But I almost get it like I'm drinking water that's like running off stones, mm. Mm. like that. Like mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. No. I I I see what you're saying there. Yeah. The kind of wet stone flinty kind of thing going yeah on. just like right at like almost mid to end palette that is like it almost like dries out 
very intensely into that like red pepper note that Jason was talking about. I would have said. I, I think I think this is this is fun. But I think it's fun. I don't know, but like I said, I'm not experienced enough. Like this to me doesn't mm-hmm. seems removed from what in my head I imagine mezcal to be like. I don't know how true to mm. my. Uh, my semi-imaginary made-up kind of regs of what mezcal should fit in, uh, but I think this is really fun. I'd, but maybe, like I say, maybe that's because I'm. It doesn't have the mega complexity. I would have said number D was more minerally in style than this. This is like all kind of fun, yeah. light, like kind of marshmallow version of mezcal to me. Mm. Like not like mm. a kiddie version because it's not. There is a lot going on here, but it's not. Uh, big and rough and like those kind of cactusy, dry, earthy things that I, is what I associate with mezcal. Yeah, this isn't this, but like the super fun was C, I think, because it is just a, a totally crazy thing to drink. Yep. Yeah, you did yeah, a good job yeah. of mixing this up. Yeah. So this is Mizonte. Mizonte. You might have seen this label before, but it, this is not mezcal technically. It is mezcal, but it's not. <laughs> um. Distillado de agave. This is actually the highest ABV so far. It's 49.5% ABV. Mm -hmm. Uh, The producer is Anciano Mendoza, and the agave is called Cenizo. Cenizo? Cenizo. Yep. And this is the label. It just says Tepe, Mm -hmm. but that just is uh, in reference to the region where it's like the the community where it's produced at. Nothing to do with the agave. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, fun, fun. Spell the agave here. for us C E N I Z O. Well, Jason grabs his book. Ezo. Jason grabs his book. Actually, there's a little, little picture. Well, the, the, the podcast oh. viewers won't be able to see that, but that's how the agave looks, right? There. It, it almost looks like a tobala. It has that big, wide kind of leaf. yeah so that'll be interesting yeah. jason see if that's the colloquial name for tobala it's not all right no it's our good friend Aracenio, also known as Blanco, Cenizo, Coyote, and Sierra Negra i would not have pegged this as a, age as to maturity age to maturity 20 to 30 years I'm with you, Joshua. I would have not pegged that as an Aracanio either. As a what? Aracanio! But it's a Well, this is the one thing I don't thing know why these two say. didn't join in with us. <laughs> Come on, you two. Um, of, of the five miscals we've had so far, that label is my favorite label. I think that had the coolest label. Podcast yeah. listeners are loving yeah. this comment. Yeah, it's really helpful feedback. Yeah, if you guys can see that, it looks. Just stare at your iPhone really just, just hard. St- yeah. If you no no, if you focus, put your fingers on your temples. We're just going to beam that image into your minds now. Go. Mm. Just there, it's a man with a hat. Mm. Yep, man with that. And then you have to chant. Arokit. No. Arokit. Um, so are we are we ready to do the penultimate? Oh wait, uh, mezcal let's, here. Let's grab a glass. Need a glass. Yes, for number F. Okay. Oh I'm my ready. gosh. Oh, I am ready. Already for just F. licking the yes. little drop that spilled. Yes, this is what I wanted. <laughs> now we're cooking. Okay, winner. so this 
This one I will tell you yes. here uh, is probably from one of my favorite producers yes. of all time. Uh, and this is unique to uh, the you know the first five the first five letters that we tried. Mm-hmm. First five numbers were all distilled in copper pot yeah. stills or some sort of variation of a copper pot uh, still. This is the first one that is in clay pot ah. stills. Mm. Uh, or, or you might see on some labels, uh, Mezcal labels, they'll say Enbarro, B-A-R-R-O. Yep. yep. Um, so this is Filipino-style clay pot stills, double distilled. Um, if you, if you yeah. took a, 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 a mini wheat or like, like a wheat, weeded cereal... And dipped that weeded thing in chocolate, in like a good quality milk Oof. chocolate. That's the nose on this. That is lovely. Yeah. You've gone for good quality chocolate, and I immediately was like, "This smells like cheese rinds and Reese's peanut butter cups." Oh, I like the oh. Reese's peanut butter cups. That's, oh, I can see that. That that is honestly. <laughs> That's spot yes, on. I love your inclusion of cheese rinds. Oh, well, I don't have to go to a nice. shop after this, after consuming seven mezcals, <laughs> and get me some Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you prefer the cups or the holidays when it's the tree for Christmas or the egg for Easter? You think we get those here, and I'm not going to your fancy American candy stores in town and spending eight times the price on the same thing I want. Uh, I used yeah. to, when I worked in a retail shop, we used to get... <laughs> Uh, the really big. So I, I like a packet of three. I like the ambition that you're just going to eat one, put it down. That's not <laughs> happening. Uh, and then for the real heart attack, real heart attack is uh, the big. Uh, you get quite a lot of the Reese's yeah. over here now, but at the one time it was really hard to get any of them. And the shop I worked in, we would get in like the big, the one that's just the big daddy yeah, the, the peanut one butter big cup, which is like yeah. your your week's allocation of sugar and fat in one go. But even unloading them out of the box, that smell creeping yeah. out of the packets is so alien yeah. to me. Like I didn't grow up with like American style chocolate. And it wasn't until I became like a teenager that I would have friends who would come back from holiday with it or like these stores started popping up. And it, it's such a, it's so far removed from what I know of chocolate. And so it's still this like slightly exotic thing. So to be able to pick it, pick it out, and like that's like bang in your face straight it's away, so like American chocolate. Like it's. But you know weird. how they come with the cardboard sleeve? Yes. That the yes, chocolate the cardboard then sits in inside sits the wrap. Sits to it. And, and, and yeah. the even the cardboard the sleeve becomes a yes. noise. Yes, because the cardboard sleeve. <laughs> yeah. You know, collect some of the oils, some of the fattiness. From, Absolutely. From that, right. And Absolutely. It just all comes together. Yeah. Fuck, I'm in heaven. It's definitely, oh, gosh. It also is a bit like, uh, you know, when you stand... So this is nice. It, like, kind of throw back into my... <laughs> I'm back in my comfort zone. <laughs> whiskey, whiskey, help. Um, this smells <laughs> like uh, when you go on a whiskey tour and they open, if you're lucky enough to be in a distillery where they will open the spirit safe. That smell mm-hmm, that comes yes. out, that contact of, like, the spirit going through the copper... That there is a kind of coppery, metallic not like a cabbage-y, kind of sulfury thing. thing, but there's, yeah, metallic-y. Yeah. That's here too. Which is amazing this for is the fun. first one to have not gone through copper, right? Right. For the, it makes for the no first sense one to, to be distilled through clay. But let me, let me tell you something, and I'll say this really quickly. So Hyde and I are watching a show right now on HBO called Made for Love. Really fun show. Anyway, there's this scene where, where the main... The main character is this woman trying to escape a terrible relationship. 
And the husband in it is trying to do something special for her. He hates smells, but he's trying to create this room, this thing, which is which has a smell that he thinks that she would love. And so his his assistant keeps giving him things to smell. And he's like, what is that? It's just cinnamon, sir. No, I hate it. You know, what's this? And then he hands him a vial that's, and he says, oh my gosh, that's lovely. What is that? That's just a plain glass vial, sir. It's like, oh my gosh, that has to be it. But my point is, like, you can, you can, there's, there, plain glass has a smell. Plain copper has a smell, right? And you can get that very simple smell going on in here. And, and that's a very, a very pleasant thing. So I, I, I know what you're, or at least I think I know what you're saying, Jess. It's, it's, it's a note that you don't think should be in here, but, but you're finding it, that odd, simple, metallic note coming through. The palette and finish has almost a single malt new make fruitiness to it. Mm. Like when it becomes mm. pear drop or becomes I'm, I'm getting bright, that. a really bright apricot or a really bright pear. Thinking about Glen Murray new make. I'm thinking about Linkwood yeah. new make. It's a ume. Right? It's a ume plum. It's that tartar, mm. more yeah. tart slash more bitter kind of plum going on. Yeah. Mm. I love the brightness so, of that. Mm. Hold on, don't, don't also tell us like yet. Fake smarties. Uh, so tastes like fake monkeys. Fake smarties, smarties. Oh. you know. Uh, UK smarties or US smarties? Of, oh, you UK. Sorry, your so American ones are absolute trash, and I'm not sorry. Uh, but my mum went through. I actually kind of like the smarties. Be ashamed of yourself. The US smarties. No. So do I. No. <laughs> America, America. But like you could, you could get for a while in the olden days before they banned fun things like e numbers in the UK. You could. My mum, my brother reacted really badly to e numbers. It was sending him wildly hyper. So she would go to like a health food shop and she'd get like what were they called? Like chocolate coins or something. They'd call them, but they were effectively Smarties without the e numbers. But it would be like carob chocolate. Oh, and it yeah. tastes a bit like this Terrible. too. Terrible. Like, I know exactly what you're describing. My brother had the same thing. My kids have the same thing. But um, recently over here, Panera Bread started doing naturally colored UK style Smarties on top of cookies. And the boys started buying them. And I popped one of them and it was exactly that. It was like a health food store, non-colored coating on carob chocolate. And it just leaves you wanting the real thing. Yeah. So disappointing. So. This, <laughs> this, this F, you didn't want the reveal, Joshua. I, I am ready for it. So okay, what did you ahead. need yeah. to say before, before the reveal? Did you have something to say, Joshua? Uh, no, I, I just, I really, I wanted to hear from Elijah because I think that he's the one person we haven't heard from notes wise, what, what you're getting in this. I don't know if I could even pinpoint specific notes because I could spend a long time on this mezcal. But it's kind of everything I like about mm. Mezcal. Like, it's just raw. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, there's salinity, there's minerality, there's like vegetal notes. There's all the things you guys were talking about. The peanut butter, the Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> Crazy. Like, the I don't cheese know. rinds. It's, it's, yeah. 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 Like, like, it's my favorite like, tasting. Uh, that was I a home run. Yeah. Cheese rinds. So, this one is from mm-hmm. Real Monero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Quality. And our old labels used to say 
Mezcal Real Monero, mm. like the one you're holding yeah, there, there, Joshua. You go. Yep. Uh, but this one just says Real Monero because they're no longer certified. They've moved away from the certification uh, that we were talking about okay. earlier. But this was selected, hand-selected by Ivan Vasquez, who runs Madre, which is probably the biggest agave bar on the West Coast. Hmm. I'm ah, confident in saying okay. that. Madre in Torrance, California. Uh, this was selected by Ivan Vasquez. There were only 80... The, uh, by the way, just the, the, the viewers can't see or the, <laughs> the listeners can't see, but this label is so transparent of the amount of information that is on the back mm-hmm. of this label, especially these more recent ones. But there was only 82 liters produced wow. of this. So about a hun- about 100 bottles, clay pot distillation. This is an ensemble mm. of Largo, Espadín, and Quiche. Mm. So it says cultivated and wild agave. The, the Espadín is cultivated. The Largo and the Quiche are wild agave. Excellent stuff. Uh, Great selection. Harvest from 2018. Yeah, yeah. It's um, they even tell you the ages on each agave. The 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 maestro is Edgar Angeles Carreño, right? So uh, Edgar a, An- Angeles Carreño. Yeah, Carreño. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Carreño. Yep. And what what was yeah. what was so, Yvonne's last name again? Who who selected this batch? Yvonne Vasquez. Ivan Vasquez, he he runs the uh, the Madre bar restaurant, uh, and he's had I, I've actually a lot a lot of these bottles like the Warash uh, letter or number B that we tasted earlier. I bought from from Ivan. Um, yeah, just he's got a massive massive oh agave agave selection, selection. and this th- okay. this this is just. Yeah, yeah. So massive process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ma- massive. Yeah, I got it. That's great. That's yeah. that's cracking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Price on this one, and then we'll we'll dip back into the price on E. Uh, this one, I think, was around two hundred dollars. I could be wrong. It might be more like one. I'm pretty actually. The E was two hundred dollars. I think this is more like one seventy five. Okay. F is one seventy five. Okay. The most recent. That was that was spending your money. So, yeah, C and F are my two favorites so yeah. far. Th- those are the best to me. Yeah. I've just had yeah. a, a little look to see how much of this makes it to the UK, and there is one of the online retailers has got it, and they're all about a hundred to one hundred and sixty quid a bowl, which okay. is steep. Yeah. That that's that's steep. <laughs> I will say though, there are times when I've spent, you know, c- again going back to this comparison of whiskey and mezcal. There's times when I've spent, you know, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars on a whiskey bottle, and then I open it and I'm like, ah, oh, it's it's it tastes like whiskey. It's okay, and I kind of feel bad about it because, like, this came from a factory yeah. somewhere in Scotland. And not trying to like, you know, make this unromantic here, but with mezcal, when I spend a hundred, two hundred dollars on a bottle, and especially with a, a a label that's coming to the U.S. that that gives a lot of the profits back to to the it's family, important. to the village, to to Very the producer, yep. I I kind of don't I I kind of don't feel bad about it. Like I, I I think it's like you're saying, Joshua. I think it's important. Like. 
and I'm actually surprised. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure in the next five years we'll see mezcal prices jump. Like mm. to be more in what line what Jess is seeing in the UK. Like your kind of entry level bottles being a hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars, um, just because it's it's. Yeah, something special. Yeah. So. I will say, Jess, you have access to Papa Diablo available through the Whiskey Exchange. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's only, <laughs> uh, I believe it's a, a UK import exclusive. And Papa Diablo is one of the best mezcals I've had in my life across mm. all mezcals. Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, there's an Espadine and there's an Ensemble. And I recommend the Ensemble. And you can get it for maybe 80 quid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I, I guess before uh, yeah. this enlightening uh, little tasting, I wouldn't have known necessary looking at like just looking at a list of mezcals to pick what would have been a better bang for my buck. I guess. Yep. Yep. No, this is this has been absolutely fascinating. Well, well curated, Elijah. I, I applaud you on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. You got. You guys have one last one, this right? Is it? One last. I've one been last enjoying song. just really quickly. I've been enjoying listening to all of the belches that Elijah has been putting out there that I have to, I, I have to edit out or not edit out, you know, depending on how I feel at the time. No, just uh, l- let's leave them in there. It, I, I'm drinking at ten o'clock. Well, I, we started drinking maybe like ten thirty a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it's just. Uh, this is this is raw. This is this is what you're getting. I can't believe we okay. I can't believe we're gonna edit out the belches because they're offensive. But the dog shit chat, we'll leave that in. That's fine. <laughs> no, because that's important. That Jess. was vital. Make sure to take that. Essential. Out. <laughs> it was fecundity. You can't you can't you can't argue fecundity. What the fecundity are you talking about, Jason? Exactly. All right. Hell of a process. So so we have G in the glass, as they say. Oh wow. Hmm. That's an unusual one. On the no- you, you know when you when you know it's a whiskey or you, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a whiskey or it's a wine or it's or it's a mezcal or, or something like that, and you you kind of compartmentalize the notes. You say this has a high sweet note, or this has kind of an earthy note, which you think is sort of a lower note, something like that. And there'd be a spectrum of of notes that you would nose or taste. I haven't tasted this yet, but so far, on the nose, it's all high notes. It it's all like mm. fresh, gardeny, uh, green leaf, sweet notes. There's there's it's all brightness and and nothing below that for me. Yeah, I had a a bright florality on first pouring. But then the, the thing for me, and I think this fits with what we had going on with our smoke conversation earlier, is when I'm introduced to that bright florality, I'm asking, and what else? What else is around yeah. the edges of that? Yep. Yep, yep, Where yep. else is this going to go? I'm not happy to sit just with that bright florality. And so far, I'm not really adding too many other things to that. There's a bit of lemon water going on in here. And like flat Sierra mist in the distance, right? I think it's all tied I to. Love that. That's, I love that. <laughs> it's all tied to like that. brighter citrusy notes, but kind of a bit in the distance. There. 
I get the flat not, Sierra mist yeah. right away. Yeah, right yeah, away. Yeah. But not Sprite or 7-Up. This is Sierra Mist. Sierra mist. And so, Jess, for you, it, it's, it's flat lemonade. Flat lemonade. Like, like, and this uh, this is going to have to be redirected at Jason. Like, um, not like uh, bars lemonade. Not like glass exactly, bottle lemonade. Yes. Is that what we're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Specifically bars the get stuff you. you get... Yeah, specifically the yeah bars is too fancy. Specifically yeah, the stuff get you. you get in like the Lauriston bar that's just thrown at you across the counter, like that's what we're, it's like a, whatever it is, I guess a pound fifty these yeah. days, like a pound a bottle <laughs> type thing that you get a twenty p deposit back on it. Yeah, what, what I always I always talk in my tastings about having an uncle who used lemonade in his whiskey. He would do two fingers of of whiskey and then the lemonade. And I always say to people, you know, our lemonade is like your Seven Up or your Sprite. But really, it's what you're describing right there, Jess. It's some Scottish brand lemonade that's a little bit on the flat side. The flavors are not overly present. Mm. It's the type of thing you would slide across a bar and you would just rather cheaply add it to your blended whiskey in a tumbler. Yeah, that, that's one of the... It's, it's not particularly exciting. That's yeah. one of the charms of watching um, people doing the, the sub crawl. It's a, a cultural reference. The sub crawling Glasgow in pubs and watching them being given these like glass bottles of lemonade for when you have vodka lemonade, the, it arrives with the glass with the vodka in it and then you add your own lemonade. And if you just want a glass of lemonade, they charge you about 50p. And you just fill yourself and they, they give you the ice bucket. Add your own oh. ice. No. Like that very kind of... Oh, I've missed that bar so much. That kind of like really really old school it makes me feel like i'm in the era my brain is in mentally that i actually wasn't born into i'm in a pub of the 60s without mm. actually having been born at a time to be in the 60s I, um, I was gonna say yeah you wouldn't have been allowed into glasgow pubs of the 60s well you can in the lorison because they had a ladies bar at the other end there that was you carpeted, go. and it had there table service so a little bell you rang and they brought you the drinks very very sophisticated so that's um, a bit <laughs> as a total detail Two, two things really quickly, and uh, in, in the first one specifically for our American listeners. While Jason and, and Jess have been waxing lyrical over, over lemonade, lemonade in the UK is, is basically 7-Up or Sprite, right? It, it's a carbonated citrusy soda, basically, uh, for, for lack of a better comparison. Um, and then the second thing, Jason, I wanted to ask you, you talked about your uncle that would basically do like two fingers of lemonade with a little whiskey would he ever do like a shocker of of lemonade with with whiskey or no the 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 shocker would did you you just do this the end of the night that's it's terrible yeah it's It's terrible i will say though that there there was the one uncle who liked two fingers but we did have the alcoholic uncle and he was the guy who loved the shocker he would would just ask for a shocker of whiskey okay yeah okay and then you just just overflow that's yeah yeah that's how that would work (laughs) so okay so have you guys tasted this one i i haven't tasted this i've been nosing this the whole time trying to to figure it out yeah. and dig a bit deeper. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little bit of the E experience with this one where it's it's not it's not taking me very far. It's not being overly effusive, but it's but it, it's perfectly mm-hmm. pleasant. I, I'm sitting here sipping it very happily. Huh. It kind of yeah, it kind of yeah. seems like the like if you were to go to a bar 
and just ask for a scotch on the rocks, right? You just want a light, you know, light, sweet drink to just yeah. pass the time while you're having a conversation with someone and not pay too much yeah. attention to what's in your glass. That's what this is. So the reason why I selected this one, two reasons why. One, this is a, a type of mezcal that mm. would be used for like celebration, oh, nice. right? And I thought it'd be fitting, you know, join, joining the three J's on their adventure <laughs> at Single Cast Nation, uh, that this, this would be a, a fitting type of mezcal. And also... There, I know for sure there are two vegetarians. <laughs> I was gonna say, if you're about to say pechuga, it better not be a meat pechuga. Yeah, it better not be a meat pechuga. <laughs> no, it, th- yeah, there, there is no meat in here. Bless you. Which I, I don't think I, a, a pechuga, uh, like you can only call really a pechuga a pechuga if it's got meat in it. This is just like a family recipe that is in the style of a pechuga. It's called ponche de frutas oh, mm. from La Herencia de I've Sanchez, which yep. is actually that is under the Ray Campero label mm. line. It's the the maestro is Romulo Sanchez. Um, yeah, this has tejecote prune. With tejecote is like a, a Mexican mm. citrus. So you guys talking about there those you citrus notes yeah. you were getting and the the uh, the Sprite or, or Sierra Mist mm-hmm. and everything you're saying. That's all there. Prune, guava, and cinnamon. Oh, interesting. And this is the first mezcal we've had today that is all 100, well, I guess not technically 100%, but it's all espadine. Uh, so this okay. is, the base of this is all mm. espadine. Um but with with more, I was bringing this out as more of like the celebratory dram. Uh, no, I, so I have to tell you, salute. yes, salute. Here, let me salute. let me repour because what I did, I took a large glug of it, and on the palate and into the finish, I got barbecuing marshmallows yep. in the redwood forest in Northern California, uh, which was a thing I did twenty six years ago, and. Boom, it was right there, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I have re-poured, celebration, welcome along, Elijah. I'm sure you'll yeah. make a wonderful younger brother to Jess. <laughs> God bless all those who ride in her. Now, Jess, the company, the company, <laughs> that went horribly wrong. Oh, God. That took a, that took a nice turn. Yeah. Elijah, this is, mm. this is really been a treat and this isn't the first time where you've you've sent out samples with some letters on them to to treat us to just a session and and i'm you know it's so funny i'm looking at this screen right now and i see the three of you uh, but in the center there's me and there's jason and 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 of course we're all looking at each other on zoom and for eight years that's what it's been right it's been me and jason and now Jess and Elijah, and and it really is. It warms my heart that we've brought on two of the the best people that we could bring on to the team, who who give a shit and who have good palates and and are just good people. I think that's another thing as well. Like you guys are just good people, and and someone that that we people that 
we not only need on the team, but people that we 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 want on the team and that makes the team what it is, the strong thing that it is. So, Elijah, welcome. Jess, you've been wonderful. You continue to be wonderful. It, you know, this is this is just like sp- this. Things are sprouting. Things are growing, and it feels so great to now look at four people on my screen, me included. Um, you know, four people on my screen, and not just me and Jason. It really is wonderful, and I and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really do. If this company keeps maturing like this, we're going to see the sex organs really soon. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'll I'll zip up. Sorry about that. Oh, that was very nice. Thank you very much. It's an honour to be part of this, and uh, I I genuinely believe what you're saying, and not just because we just drank seven mezcals, <laughs> which in Glasgow is pretty brave for a Wednesday night. I have to say, see if you drink G in a celebratory way. Not sitting around a table like a bunch of wankers sharing tasting notes. See if you just pour it and throw it back, <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. It yeah. just pops and it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But, and, and that's, and I want to make sure what I said before was not coming off in a derogatory way. I think there's something so nice about going to a bar with your friend and just saying, you don't have to think about what's in the glass, just give me a scotch on the rocks. And what's important, a tasty little drink and good friends. Like that's the important thing. And you don't yeah. have to you don't have to dissect. You could just have a good time and stop using your goddamn brain and just have fun and and enjoy friendship. Yep. 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 No, that was Cheers that was really that. lovely. Really lovely. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, so now are. you just need to tell me which one of my teachers I turn my homework into. Uh, for extra credit. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh look my at all those goodness. notes. Look at that. You and your notes. Uh, snap the a photo. We'll post I'm that. really enjoying wow. this. Yeah. Yeah. Snap really a well photo of that. T- we'll put it on the Facebook page as well. Oh, please do. Yeah. Like I've got sort of yeah, there you go. I've dripped oh. mezcal. It's like a, a scratch and sniff bit here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, Joshua, what you were saying with just like sharing these mezcals and the team, I, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that you guys are taking a chance on me and bringing me on. And um, yeah, I'm, yes, I, I heard that too. Abba. Okay. Playing in the he's, background. He's trying to, uh, he's trying um, to deliver emotion, Jason. Yeah. That, that's yeah. why I'm diffusing and the situation with humor. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's beautiful. But, but, but I think this is really to, summing up this this tasting and this experience with you guys this is why i love doing what i do and doing the uh being a part of this industry and being a part of this team and why i was so excited to join single cast nation and to work with you guys because i respect you guys i i love you guys and i think uh that i don't know it's 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 kind of like a refreshing reminder of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah. And I think spirits are like really a universal language, scotch, mezcal, whatever it is we're drinking. It's, it's a way to like connect and bond with people. And, uh, every time I do something like this, it's, it's a reminder of that. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Beautiful. Next time with rum. (gasps) Oh, yes. 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 
Oh, I yes. love that. I've got some surprises with rum that I'll, I'll send. I know you okay. do. I think we should each send the others two rums that we <sighs> like, and that will give us yes. eight rums to taste through. Okay. Fuck Challenge and accepted. yes. Right. Fuck and yes. All right. Yes. All okay, right. raise your glasses. Okay. Lady and gentlemen, it's been an absolute right. pleasure. Cheers, y'all. Dos chins. <laughs> Dos chins. Dos chins. <laughs> Because Zoom Zoom can't handle all of us talking at the same time, so you're not going to hear everybody in sync. Just don't act all techy with me, okay? <laughs> but not just but not just that, but not just that, Elijah. We're not doing one elephant, two elephant, three elephant. We're doing close one, one elephant. elephant, two okay, elephant. Okay, okay. Right? There's just a little, a tiny little breath before y- that. You didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me that. <sighs> okay. All right. I'm ready. Spot the non-swimming non-musician of the group. <sighs> Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, here we go. All right, and here we go. Eyes, eyes open, Jason. I just, right. I'm loving Jesse's put downs. These are high. <laughs> these are top drawer. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> okay. All right, and here we go. <laughs>